everybody said amen. If you have your Bibles with me, turn uh, to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. So we're kind of looking and, and kind of studying through the book of Hebrews with this theme, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And we're going to take a look today, but over the coming weeks, we're going to look at how Jesus is a scene in the tabernacle. We're going to look at how Jesus has become our high priest. And we're just going to dig into who he really is and why that really matters. Why not the knowledge of Jesus? Why, uh, why who he is is meaningful uh, and it pro- produces a missional life in us. But this morning we're going to talk about a lifelong faith. How do we have a lifelong faith uh, and avoid the tendency to drift, okay? But there's a, there's a story, it's not a true story, but there's a story about uh, these three demons. And perhaps you've heard it. But they come to Satan to try to get the best plan to get God's church off their game. The best plan to try to get people out of heaven uh, and down into hell. And so they come to him uh, with their strategies, each in their own. And the first says, all right, boss, let's tell the people there is no God, that the Bible's not true, and, and let's put a lot of fake stuff out there. And the other demon said, no, that won't work. We've tried that for thousands of years. There are too many evidences of God's goodness. And so the second one comes and says, well, let's just tell them that there's no heaven and that there's no hell. And the other replied, well, that won't convince them either. And so the third said, tell them there is a God, there is a heaven, and there is a hell, but that there's no hurry. And that one is the one that they sent. I think many people have heard the truth today, especially in uh, the Bible Belt of the United States of America. Many people have heard the truth. There's a church on every other corner and in, twice in between in LaSalle Parish. Uh, and so uh, many people have heard the truth, but how many people have really attuned to it and listened to it and taken it in? I think in this world today, it's easy to hear the truth and drift away from it, very much so in this first world. To lose our grip on faith and neglect the basics of what God has truly said Uh, to make Christianity something that it's not really, and to grow complacent. And I think it's so easy, I'm speaking from experience as a young person who grew up in church, it's so easy to just do the Christian thing, to uh, come to church, you know, a couple times a month, and to read my Bible when I'm supposed to, and, you know, I I don't cuss, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and and to try to get all those things, the outward things, but we really forget what it really, truly means to be a Christian. Even just going through the, the daily thing of life, you know, taking our kids to ball practice, your, your, your daughters to dance, going through, uh, get through the life. You get work and job and mow the yard and all this thing. It just, what does it really mean along the way to be a Christian? How do we believe and receive this great truth of salvation? And how do you really keep it and hold on to it? I want you to know today that Christ is better, He is more perfect, and He is eternal. And everything He offers you is just the same. Everything Christ offers is better, is more perfect, and is eternal. Amen? Everything He offers us is better. And when He comes to earth, and He dies, and He rises from the grave, He proves God's love for you, and that God's uh, what His will is for you is to give you that which is better uh, and eternal, that which is more perfect than anything you could ever have. So let's look today in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading from the New American Standard. 
And this is just our context today, uh, our chief text. But I want you to just go home tonight and read through Hebrews chapter 2 all together and all all of Hebrews chapter 3. But let's just read these first four verses this morning. And we have it on the screen today. For this reason, and the reason is that's because who God says Jesus Christ is from chapter 1. For this reason, because we got a revelation of Jesus Christ and who He is, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't drift. We must pay closer attention, better attention to what you've heard so you won't drift. I'm not talking about drag racing and drifting, but it's for the word spoken through angels. It proved unalterable. And every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was the first, after it was first spoken through the Lord, it was then confirmed to us by those who heard. And God also testified with him both by signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I, Beth and I love to go to the beach. That's kind of our, you know, if it's not a museum or going somewhere, you know, traveling, we love to travel, but we like to go to the beach. Uh, and I'm, I'm a pretty good swimmer, but when it comes to the ocean, I don't really like to go much past where I can touch. There's this thing called sharks. I'm quite aware of them, all right? And so, and not only that, but have you ever uh, gone to the beach and you're out there like on a little floaty or something, you're just kind of, you, you know, it's just wonderful and it's calm and you close your eyes and all of a sudden you wake up and you're like a mile from where you thought you were, right? Well, I don't like that feeling. Uh, and so I always want my feet to touch to anchor me in. And I think that's kind of how it is in this Christian world. We can get so caught up with the things of life or even just taking a break sometimes where we, as a church goes, we kind of as a church get on vacation and before we know it, we're miles from where we once were or thought we should be. And I think when we get to the point of this text today, it's many Christians are enjoying the fun of an earthly life, but don't realize they're drifting. And it's a scary thing. It's a scary thing to wake up one day and find out life has just passed me by. My marriage is not what it once was. My relationship with my kids is not what I thought it would be at this point. Uh, My job and where I thought I would be. And especially, I used to be on fire for God. I used to be passionate about Him. That song used to move me. Or that word, that scripture used to inspire me and get me fired up. But I've been drifting. The author here is speaking to some second generation Christians. Meaning this is just one generation after Jesus walked the earth, which is scary. One generation from those who actually saw him and put the, you know, saw him and, and heard his voice. Just one generation later began to drift. And the author comes, he says, you are true believers. You've been persecuted from your faith, but now you're being seduced by some movement. You're being seduced by something. You've been slacking in your church attendance. You're in danger of forgetting the truth. You know, uh, it's easy to fall into the trap of complacency, but with complacency comes compromise. And so he's warning us today that if we don't really hear and if we don't really obey Christ in our hearts, we will drift away. And he says, what makes us think that we who have heard the truth 
will escape the wrath of God. We who should know better, we who've heard the story. He says, it came first in the Old Testament by angels and prophets and all these miraculous signs. And God judged them severely for not meeting the mark. But he says, but now he sent Jesus Christ, his very own son, and killed him for you. So how much more do you think God's going to hold us as his church accountable for how we respond to his words? It's a grave thing. Happy Easter, right? But I want to tell you the truth today. It's my responsibility to tell you the truth. And this is what God's put on our heart at Sanctuary in this season, that we are called to hear and listen to God's words. And so we want to ask ourselves today, how's your spiritual walk? How are you living out the truth that Jesus is alive? What is it? Does it matter in your life? Does it make a difference? Do you walk differently, talk differently? Do you spend your money differently? Do you organize your time differently? Do you relate to your spouse or your kids differently because of He is living today? That He really came, He really walked this earth. And so we're challenging ourselves. Let's pay closer attention to, to be anchored on, to hold tightly to His words. And so I'm going to talk really about two things. I want to talk about hearing the truth and living the truth. So what is the truth? How do we hear it? And then we're going to live it out. So let's talk about hearing it first. So hearing the truth. You know, we go back into the the Passover story, and we just had this awesome Good Friday uh, service just uh, a few days ago. And we talked about how Pilate uh, gets Jesus uh, on trial, right? The, the Sanhedrin has brought Jesus on trial, and Pilate is interrogating him, and he doesn't really want to crucify him. But Jesus says that he came for truth, and everybody who hears the truth uh, hears his words, and, and that's the reason he came to testify to the truth. And everybody who is of the truth hears him. And Pilate says, what is truth? And then he walks away. What a horrible thing that right then he could have had all the answers, but he walked away from me. He says, Jesus, what is truth? And just walks out of the room. I think it's the same way sometimes with us as believers who have grown up in church and heard it over and over again. This just good news just becomes old news. And I wonder how many people have sat on a church pew or a church seat and heard Jesus speak to them the truth of the gospel, but yet they've never really listened What if Jesus is sitting next to you today, but we're failing to listen to Him? We've listened to all the Bible stories, but have we ever heard them? And so the author asks us, well, then how will we escape judgment? Are we any different than the unbelievers who've never heard? Actually, God's going to judge us even more severely for how we've heard it but not responded. And so Hebrews chapter 2, if you've got your Bibles turned there, we're just going to go through this because I want you to hear the truth today. My responsibility today on Resurrection Sunday is to give you the truth of Jesus Christ that is good news, that is life-changing, that is joy-filled, and that there is no fear in death. Because Hebrews chapter 2 tells us that God's desire was to do some awesome stuff. Are you ready? Somebody say, Amen. Amen. Okay, so what is this truth? Let's pretend that we were Pilate, but we stayed to listen. Okay? So let's open our ears and our hearts today. And it says this, and I pray, Holy Spirit, speak these words to us, that they not just be words from Pastor Heath or, or, or just a sermon, but they be His words. And God's desire, it says in Hebrews chapter 2, was to bring many sons and daughters of faith back into His glorious presence. It says that He chose 
to send Jesus, His Son, to make Him lower than the angels. It says that He came and experienced everything that we do. He experienced our suffering. He knew our pain. He experienced our temptation. He even, yes, uh, became sin for us and died for us. He knew what it was like to pass from this life into another, to die from this body. And it says that the Son of God suffered for everyone and tasted death, death for us all in verse, uh, uh, verse 9 in chapter 2. And so it says, God's grace, He died as a man. It was before God's grace. And the power of the Holy Spirit, He rose again. It says He broke the power of Satan, sin, and death through His righteousness. He saved every single person who'd be a person of faith. And that's what He did. It's as if this... If you've ever been in a hospital room with someone who's leaving this life, it was as if Jesus came into our hospital room, all of us who were sinners, and He came into that room, and He held our hand, and He talked with us, and He cried with us, and then He prayed for us. And in that moment, He took our sickness, our disease, and we took His health, His righteousness, His wholeness. And in that moment, he laid down in our bed, and we got up and walked out of the hospital. Spiritually, that's what Jesus Christ did, that he had such love for us. If you've ever lost someone, you know what it's like. He had such love for every single one of us that he said, I'm going to raise you up, that I love you, I have a heart for you, and I want to experience this for you, I want to take this from you, and I'll take it upon myself. And that's what he did. But why did he have to do it? I wonder how many Christians really know why he had to die on a cross, why it had to be about blood. Why did he have to do the things on the road uh, to the cross that he did? Stay with us the next several weeks. We're going to dig into that. Why did it have to be a cross? Why did it have to be blood? Why did it have to be a third day? All that we're going to dig into. But simply this, Jesus loved the Father. He came to show us God's endless love and grace towards us. Hebrews chapter 2 says He came to be our intercessor, that the law required a sinless man to die because uh, He had to become a new Adam. Every person born after Adam was destined to die and destined to go to hell. But Jesus Christ had to be a new perfect person. It required an Adam, a new Adam, a, a new sinless man to walk this earth and to die instead and start a whole new lineage of people. And those people would be by faith, not of the flesh, But to die, He had to come as a man. So Jesus Christ, it says, He had to take on flesh and blood. He had to become like us, one of us. And think about it, that the Son of God, the one who spoke the world into existence, actually wanted to be like us. Not for any any glory in Himself, but for the glory of God that you and I might know Him. He had to suffer, He had to die. And if he hadn't, he wouldn't have gained the power over death we needed in verse 9. He became like us. And like a man, he rescued us from bondage. And verse 13 tells us it's through his sinless life he showed us how to put our faith in God and obey him. What did he do? And why did he do it? And what did he accomplish? Because of his suffering... He became the source of our salvation, our perfect and complete Savior. Because of His suffering and His resurrection from the dead, He confirmed that He really was who He says He was. If He hadn't rose again, it would have just been speculation. But the fact that He rose is proof 
the fact that there was an empty tomb and it was testified by 500 people that saw him, the fact that 12 men were totally radically changed and changed the world, the fact that there is a living church today full of the Holy Spirit. You, can, you came into this building today and I hope you felt the Spirit of God. The fact that the church is growing at an exponential rate around the world, that we're, Christianity is the largest religion in the world, is proof there was a God. He did come to earth. He did die on a cross. He did rise from the grave. And I don't care what atheist or speculation or government official tells you otherwise the proof is still there jesus christ rose from the grave his resurrection confirms he really did what he said he would do which is this he destroyed the devil's hold on death and freed us there's proof today more specifically i love verse 14 in chapter 2 it says he rendered powerless He who had the power over death. He rendered him powerless. And in his power, uh, now Jesus' power ensures our salvation. And get this. Whoever has faith in him today, he delivers from every legalistic work of righteousness. Every law of religion he delivers you from. If you have faith in him today, no longer do you have to live as a slave or in fear of death. If you have faith in Him today, He fills you with a new life of the Holy Spirit. And if you have faith in Him today, He makes you and grafts you into the eternal family of God. And if you have faith in Him today, in verse 18 it says that He comes to your aid every day to help you live and walk in that new life. To overcome every temptation you could come. Let me tell you today, if you can't make it with Jesus, you can't make it at all. He gives you help every single day in the same faith that saved you is the same faith that helps you live holy every single day. It's not any work of righteousness of yourself. It's simply a childlike faith. Every day, I need Jesus. I need Jesus to figure out how to go through this work issue. I need Jesus to figure out how to handle these kids. I need Jesus to how to love my spouse. I need Jesus to figure out how to forgive or overcome this temptation that comes in my life. And the same faith I had to get saved is the same faith I need every single day to rely on Him, that He's the power I need. I can't try to live holy on my own. I can't try to live victorious over drugs or alcohol or addiction or lust or pride on my own. I need Jesus. And He has to be living in us, church. It's got to be the real deal. The world is lost and looking for someone who knows this guy, who's experienced him, who knows that this guy, is, that I've got evidence in me. He's still alive today. Amen? And you are that evidence. You are the evidence, the proof to the world that He is still reigning on the throne, that He is who He says He is. And He doesn't save you so you can fend for yourself. And He doesn't save you so you can now try to work your way into heaven. Because if Jesus makes you free, you're free indeed. That's what He did. So that's the truth. Did you hear it? Okay, good. You've heard it. Now you're responsible for it. I just put something on you. Okay? Sorry. But you've heard it. Now how do you live it? How do you live it? Man, I, I struggled growing up in the Christian church because I knew it from, a, from... I played Hot Wheels under the pew. I mean, I did. I had my goldfish crackers and my Hot Wheels, and my mom and dad were on the praise team, uh, uh, Sunday school teachers... Uh, deacons and all this stuff. I was there. I lived it. I heard it. But how did I learn? I didn't know how to live it. It wasn't until later, till I met him and really knew him, that he changed my life personally. 
So the question today is, have you heard it? And are you neglecting this great salvation? Are you drifting away from any hope? Because we want to turn to Jesus today. The message translation it takes this verse and it says, we want to take a good, hard look at Jesus. Realize only in Him will we have peace of mind and peace in our hearts. Young lady, that man's not going to be your everything. Young man, sir, that lady is not going to be your everything. It's going to be Jesus. Only in Him will you find peace. Sir, that job is not going to provide everything your family needs. It's not going to make your family better the more money you put in your bank account. It's going to be Jesus. Mom, to learn how to love to live, love your family and be the wife your husband needs you to be, it's only going to be when you find Jesus as the source of your life. And that's living it out. We never find what we need in this world. So let's get some perspective today. Where are our thoughts focused? As you go throughout your week, what are you thinking of? When you go through your day, what worries you? What burdens you? What things are coming over you? What fills your mind every day? Is my mind full of my heart and my desires? Or am I taking notice of Christ's desires throughout my week? Am I thinking throughout my day, Jesus, what do you want me to do today? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me today? God, how can I show your love to this person or that person? God, how can I rely on you more? I've been taking this all on my own. I've been working too hard. The stress is overwhelming me. And God, the financial pressures. God, am I not giving it to you? We just give it to Him. And say, Jesus, you're the center and source of my life. I'm going to live this truth out that everything is made right in you. John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. You know what that means? That everybody who loves Jesus does what He says, like good children. But he says there's a promise in there too. He says, if you love me enough, I get this, we can love baseball, we can love dance, we can love movies, we can love hamburgers and hot dogs, we can love fried fish that we're about to have here in a little bit. Amen? But there's a different kind of love when it comes to Jesus. You can love someone enough to love them and like them and want to hang around them, but do you love someone enough to do what they say? Young person, children, youth, Do you love your parents enough to do what they say, right? And so do we love Christ enough? He says, and if you love me enough to do what I say, and I know you're going to fail, but if you love me enough to try, to just try to keep my commandments, he says, I will give you someone to help you do it. I'll give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to be an advocate. He's going to teach you everything I ever said. He's going to help you. He's going to be the power that raised me from the dead. It's now going to live in you. Because you love me enough to obey me, and so now I'm going to help you do that. You see, it's not you. You don't obey Christ on your own. You can't live a holy life on your own. You can't be good enough on your own. You can't find peace, love, and joy, and happiness in this life on your own. It is simply saying, Jesus, I love you enough by faith. I'm going to apply what you said. God, you said turn the other cheek. God, you said forgive as I've been forgiven. God, you said uh, to put aside all slander and malice and anger and greed and unforgiveness. God, I'm going to choose to do that. And he says, good, now I'll help you do it. You have to take the step of faith first. You see, that's yours. Do I believe him and what he says is good and true? That this is the right way to live and these are the ways not to live. So I trust him. 
He says, okay, now, take the first step, I'll help you. He promises the Holy Spirit will never leave you if you're always taking a step of faith in Him. He'll never leave you nor abandon you. And that's how you live in Jesus. You can hear Him, but you've got to take the step of faith. And then He enables you with the power of the Holy Spirit to live a righteous and holy life. And I'll say it again. If you can't then make it with Christ, you can't make it at all. Those life hurts and habits and those hang-ups, like we talk about in Celebrate Recovery, you can't do it. That's the point. You can't be good enough. You can't think good enough. You can't think right enough. But I say, Jesus, I take a step of faith in you. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. He says that every child of God defeats this evil world. Somebody should just say amen by that. That every child of God defeats this evil world. I don't care what hurts you've had. People have disappointed you. People have stabbed you in the back. People have talked all kinds of slander about you. People have never led up to their expectations, perhaps. It doesn't matter what it is. Maybe you failed time and time again, and you're trying for that 16th try around just to try to make it. It says every child of God defeats this evil world. It, why is that and how is that? He says we achieve this victory through our faith. See how that works? We achieve it by taking that step and believing what He said. And He says, verse 5, And who can win this battle against the world? Because that's our question. God, how can I get my mind to stop thinking things in the gutter? God, how can I get out of this mode of just living the American life and, and going through the motions and just coming to church? and just It's just tradition. It's just religion to me. I don't feel anything in it. Or God, how can I love this spouse who doesn't love me back? Or God, how can I handle these rebellious children? Or how can I make it on this amount of money? He says, and who can win this battle against the world? Only those who believe Jesus is the Son of God. Do you really, really believe it? That's the difference. Is it real? Is it real to you? And if you're not winning today in your spirit, if you're not winning in your mind today, I wonder and I ask you, do you really believe it? You've listened to it, but have you heard it in your heart? Are you taking that step of faith to live it out? Because turning to Jesus means turning from everything else. It means turning from the temptation of a selfish and earthly life. It means turning from a man-centered religious works. You know, the funny thing about religious works is this. So many today rely on the re- standards of religion to, man- to measure their success as a Christian. What happens is we put all these measures out there. Well, if I go to church this amount of times, if I read my Bible this amount of times, if I don't do these amount of activities, if I try to watch my tongue around people that go to church with me, right? If I don't go to the movies and watch that if anybody sees me, or if I, if I can dress this way or act this way or Whatever. You know what happens? We often fail to live up to some standard, and then we just start to kind of, well, you know, I just start lowering it so I don't feel so bad. Well, I can do this, but, you know, it's not as bad as this, right? But the Bible says Jesus is your measure. He's the rule of faith. He's the one we look to. He's the one we're supposed to imitate, the faithful servant of God. And His voice is the one you're to listen to in your hearts because He is the King. He's the only one that had the power over death. 
He's the only one that shows us what real life is supposed to look like. Israel in the wilderness, Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 20. God had told them, he said, if you love me and obey me and hold fast to me, you'll live in the promised land. God did all these awesome miracles. Man, he did manna from heaven. I know it'd be tr- if we would measure it today, it'd be train loads. Train loads every day of manna. Fresh water, miraculous out of rock. Part of the Red Sea, victory over battles, all this kind of stuff. Mighty, mighty things. But they turned to deaf ear and tested God's patience, Hebrews tells us. They heard him. They saw him. They experienced him. But they never knew him. Today, perhaps you've come out of a life of sin in your past. Perhaps you've seen God do things. You were, maybe you were raised in church. Your grandma brought you. Maybe you've been to 100 Easter's. I don't know. It's not possible for most of you, by the way. Just keeping you up on what I'm saying. Okay. But you know. You've experienced it. You've seen it. But do you know Him today? A whole generation who saw God part the Red Sea died in the wilderness. We think, oh, I would never do that. But you have Jesus. You've got the proof of an empty tomb. You've got the proof of a worldwide, world-shaking religion. You've got proof of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You've got proof that no matter how much persecution has come, this book has never died. It stands on the shelf of every bookstore in America today. You have more proof than they did at the Red Sea. And he says, how will you then escape so great a salvation. And we looked back and we say, well, God, I never would have not known if I saw manna falling from heaven. God, if I saw water pouring out a rock. God, if just an angel would come today, I'd believe. No, you've had Jesus. I'm scared for the fate of the church in America today. For so many are drifting away when they have Jesus. That word drift in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 3 means they did not hold on to and they did not take care of their salvation. And it said, how will you escape if you neglect it? That word neglect in the Greek means they did not make light of it or they made light of it. They had no concern for what they had heard. It just was, yeah, that's true, Pastor Heath, good job. Hey, man, brother, can I have some fish now? You know, it's just kind of, Good job, bro. Good news, dude. But does it matter? You've heard it, but are you living it? What happens when you're out in that ocean and your feet lose touch with the reality of who Jesus is? You just kind of, you're there, you're like coasting with life. You're like, all right, man, this is awesome. Got everything I want. Got all my dreams. My kids are doing good. We got, they're making A's in school. They just hit a home run. Daughter did that great ballet recital. And, you know, uh, mom and dad are in good health. Everything's just going right right now. Making good money. What happens? We start doubting the word. Our hearts get hard. We get spiritually sluggish. We get dull towards the things of God. We become lazy towards evangelism and his mission, and ultimately, ultimately you start to disobey him. And then ultimately after that, you start blatantly defying him. Well, I know better than God. God won't do that, even though it says that in his word. Doubting to dull, to disobedience, to defiance. John tells us, 
by hearing and not doing, we prove we're really not God's kids. He even said it later in 1 John 2, 5. And I'm wrapping up with this. He said, those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love Him. Those who obey God's words truly show how completely they love Him. And that's how we know we're living in Him. That those who say they live in God should live their life as Jesus did. You can't do that on your own. You can't. You cannot live like Jesus did without His help of the Holy Spirit. So if you're trying to go where you want, when you want, and how you want, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, watch your step, for you may be being deceived by sin and not know it. If you think you can go through life and live how you want, and where you spend eternity, let me tell you today, it won't be God's fault. Where you spend eternity will not be the church's fault. It will not be my fault. Well, Pastor Heath, if you would have just visited me more, they would have written me one more card. They would have went to that hospital visit. If they would have just called me, maybe I would have come. All those excuses on Judgment Day will go out the window, he says, but you had my son. You've had my son. He says, did you hear it? Did you live it out? Because how shall we escape so great a salvation if we neglect it? It's only an evil and unbelieving heart the author of Hebrews says in verse 12, that will depart from a living God. And we don't ever want to admit that to ourselves, that my heart is evil. Maybe there's some unbelief in my heart. I'm going to just be honest. There have been times in my life where I find myself drifting. Now, I have to recognize to myself, Heath Harris himself, without God, is evil and unbelieving. I am not a good person of my own. And I have to recognize and say, God, I need you. Do you still trust God as firmly as when you first believed? And I want to encourage you, and I want to warn you today, to have a lifelong and life-changing faith. Don't give up. Hold fast. Pay closer attention to. Stir up something inside of you that you know, I'm anchored on Jesus. Because this is all that matters. Let me tell you today, I, don't, I may not see some of you ever again. The Lord might come. We're not guaranteed tomorrow. And it's on you today. How are you in Jesus? That's all that matters in this world. I don't know where you are today. I don't know your heart. I don't know where you came from, your background. I don't know what you've done or haven't done. I don't care. I just want you to know there is a God that the Scripture tells us He wants to crown you with glory and righteousness. That He loved you so very much that He came to die for you, for you. And He raised a new life that you might live not only in the glory to come, but in His glory right now, victorious and overcoming. No fear of death, no struggling with sin, even though He says, yes, you're going to endure all this temptation and testing, but He's going to be with you if you hold fast the confession of your faith to the very, very end. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Worship team, would you come? I'm going to challenge you today to give your heart back to Jesus Christ and let Him change it. I want you to know that God still loves you and He cares for you. And I hope and I pray today that you will hear and believe that you will turn from any sin in your life and turn to Jesus. And the Bible says you'll never taste death. He's made a way for you to go through this life rejoicing to the very, very end. 
Maybe you've been struggling today. But God will give you a victorious life if you continually put your faith in Him. The words for today were, Pay closer attention to and hold fast. Don't make light of your salvation. Be concerned about it. Take care of it. Shrug off the things that easily entangles us. And don't be drifting today. I want us just to take a moment of prayer. We've got plenty of time this morning. It's a very serious hour that we live in, church. Jesus is coming back sooner than later. The world is at a pivotal moment today. Just turn on the news. You'll see. How are you in Jesus today? Believers, I'm talking to you. Christians, I'm talking to you. Have you been drifting? Have you neglected your church attendance? Have you neglected spending time in the Word? Have you neglected spending time in prayer? Are you drifting today? Has your attitude not been the attitude of Jesus Christ? Has your language not been the language of Jesus Christ? Has your love not been the love for others of Jesus Christ? Has your passion for evangelism and world missions not been the passion that Jesus Christ said, I've come that all might hear and believe? Church, this is life. It only matters in the light of eternity. Father God, I pray over every person today.